Hello, are you are you are you on the line? I am. Hello. <clears throat> yeah, I have a good connection here, so uh, I'm uh, ready to talk to you about this. Well, I I guess I'll start with uh, where are you? I'm actually uh, I'm near a place, a very small town, called Terra Alta, uh, West Virginia. This is just west of the border between West Virginia and Maryland. It's uh, somewhat in a mountainous area. What brought you out there? Before I get to that, let let me actually tell you a little interesting experience I had when I first arrived. Uh, I I did not know where I was going to stay when I got out here, and I knew it was going to be probably about a week. I uh, very quickly checked online. I got a place, a very, very tiny house out out in this area, very, very wooded, mountainous region. Uh, it's one of those places that uh, even has a, they replaced the locks with a, a keyless entry, sort of an electronic system. So I simply emailed a code. Rented a car, I drove out here, got quieter and quieter. And I finally got to this little, little tiny place, threw my backpack down and I had a couple of hours of daylight left. So what I thought, that I'd do is just go for a walk around this area. I have having no idea really where I was and being about 25 miles from the place where I uh, had come to research. It's off season out here. In winter uh, there's skiing. In in summertime there's there's boating and uh, lots of lake activities but now it's in that in-between time. So I began to walk along these unmarked country roads, no traffic going past. And where I am, it's it's just this enormous warren, like a, almost a maze of deserted small vacation homes. Uh, some are no, nothing more than large cabins, really. And I walked and kept walking as the light was fading. And uh, these places are spaced out about a, a quarter mile apart on the road. And I realized that every single one I was passing, every single one was deserted for the season. And I had this mental map as I walked around, and I realized fairly soon that the place that I have rented is dead center in this maze of roads, very woodsy, uh, where there is no one, where I seem to be completely alone, having been the one person who seems to want to be out here at this time. And it just sort of, it falls into really, I guess, the theme of why I came out here, which was to um, to look into this one situation, something involving uh, a woman and her aunt, a bit of a mysterious happening. As I'm speaking to you, it's getting dark again out here, and I am utterly alone, surrounded on all sides by by empty houses. Firstly, are those those things you're experiencing, kind of uh, meeting up with the subject of your, I guess I'll say research. Do you feel afraid at all where you are right now? Not afraid, but. 
I did come out here to look into frightening things, and this vast silence that I didn't expect all around me is making me think not just of this woman and her aunt and what happened in a small space out here in West Virginia, but the likelihood that there must be dozens of similar stories anywhere that night comes to abandoned places. Let me lead into the details by saying I've always thought that when the sun goes down the world becomes like a game of musical chairs. Everyone has to go to their place and rest their weary heads. The vast majority of us have that place where we go. Uh, then there's the second category of people who economically can't make that happen, sadly. We call them the homeless. But then there is a third category. And these are the strange ones who, when night falls, they shelter in places where they should not. These are the ones I'm looking into, and it was not difficult to find their stories. In fact, I was disturbed to find I had to be selective in choosing where to travel first. Well, tell me more about what you're finding where you are. When Cora first heard a second voice coming from the guest house, summer was nearly gone. It sat in the back of the yard. Aunt Lowe had been living there nearly a year. She decorated the house with her favorite things and hung gauzy, handmade curtains in the small windows. She was alone then, as was Cora, and Aunt Lowe's pains circled closer each day but she still carried light and joy, and Cora thought she could learn from her how to live in the remaining world in the days left to her. Cora went in sometimes to clean and tidy up, though Aunt Lo kept a neat house. She always had. At some point, Lo started putting out two table settings, two cups, two saucers, two embroidered napkins. But like her body, her mind was loosening. She said it felt like she left little pieces of herself behind wherever she went. I heard you singing this morning, Cora said. They sat in the garden after dinner most evenings, watching little flies dart around in the slow light. They'd swat the odd mosquito and squint at the tiny red aphids under the leaves of Cora's plants. She'd ordered two whole boxes of ladybugs and let them loose, hoping they'd kill them, but they didn't. They flew off somewhere and returned sporadically, and landed on their wrists and on the flat arms of chairs. Oh, yes, Aunt Lo said. That's a song my friend taught me. Cora had heard of her friend before. She didn't want to press. She was glad Lo still had things that brought her peace, real or imagined. But this friend was making more appearances lately. Just the other night, Lowe had asked for an extra piece of cake to take back to him. Cora obliged, even carried it back for her over the lawn and through the hanging willow branches. And when she got inside, 
Cora gently handed the pieces to her one by one. One morning, Cora woke up very early. She was having some personal troubles and couldn't sleep. She leaned against the counter by the sink and watched her little gray dog stare out into the backyard. Familiar. What is it, boy? Cora asked. His tail swung side to side. For a while after that, Cora listened closely, watched. She thought someone moved around the sides of the house at night, but she could never see anything, and in the mornings would feel foolish. She searched. Do you ever get lonely out here? Cora asked Aunt Lo more often. Oh, no, Lo would say and smile. Not at all. The next October, Lo passed. Tucked into bed on her back, she looked quiet, gentle as glass. Cora went around the little house, handling her things with as much love and care as she could. She picked up a piece of paper on the table. The note read, Thank you for telling yourself I didn't exist. Because you know I did. Goodbye. That thing that you said um, about there are all these mysterious things going on uh, when night falls. You know, I was thinking back to um, my friend and I, I don't even know what grade we were in, we were very young. We were always finding these little spots kind of around uh, the area where we lived. There was, a, there was a big field in between our houses. We, we would always find spots that were not really hidden, but we imagined that they were more hidden than they were um, because we craved kind of having a, a place for ourselves or, you know, something to, you know, make, make into a, you know, a fort or <laughs> just a spot where we could pretend we lived or, you know, we could imagine that, uh, you know, there would be some sort of catastrophic event, uh, meaning that we would have to, um, like some of the children in the, in the, in the books that we read, uh, they, would, they would be forced to, you know, survive on their own. And so we, we would have to do the same. And we would, uh, you know, we would find a, a spot and we would kind of make it our our fort or our home base and we'd do things like oh you know we'd, we'd practice making little like like fish hooks <laughs> as if there there was no water anywhere nearby but I remember that I was reading my side of the mountain and there's there's a whole I think there's even a drawing about how to how to make your own fish hooks uh, from wood splinters you know these spots uh, one of them in particular was just really between my backyard and our next door neighbor's backyard. It was just a little channel that went between the fences. And if you followed it all the way back, there was a little area where you could sit and it, it was covered and it felt perfect for one of our, you know, our fort projects, our fort declarations. And for some reason, you know, I mean, occasionally we would return to these spots and there would be signs that someone had been there in the night or between visits. You know, it was the strangest feeling because it was this mix of 
there's a sense of violation, of course, but it was kind of made larger by this idea that the traces that we would find, like maybe it would be a bottle or, um, you know, things would be moved around, like little stones that we had placed around. There was always kind of a mysterious narrative left. So our minds were going and we had to kind of imagine this scene. Probably just kids, you know, like we were, or someone who, someone who needed to pass the night. But the other thing is, these spots were very close to our homes, especially that spot at the back of the, the fences where they met. This was right next to my home, right next to my window. So it somehow also reinforced this idea that things were happening out there in the dark, that it wasn't, it wasn't our imagination. It wasn't, you know, just childish fears there, that there was, there was another world. There were always things going on that, that we couldn't see in the dark. I still remember it to this day, how that felt. I grew up uh, as an only child in a very, very large, very old house. And I lived in that house until I was about 10, doing all the usual explorations and imagination games. And when I think back on my childhood in that big house, sometimes I think that I simply did not know every inch of the place. I did not know its geography in total. There were crevices, uh, little passageways maybe, uh, cracks in the walls that I probably never knew were there. Now this, these are thoughts that didn't occur to me when I was uh, a child playing. I thought as a child, oh, I, 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 this is my home, this is my house, I know it perfectly. But if you think about it, we really didn't. If you grew up in a house of any, of any real size, you probably didn't know every square inch. Uh, and just, just to think of that is, is, is kind of mysterious to me, that uh, who knows uh, what might have been, what might have been hiding there without uh, us realizing it. You know, I always uh, fairly desperately imagined that I would someday, uh, you know, discover some kind of a secret passageway or when I would go over to to friends' homes, I was always kind of looking, looking for the odd kind of, oh, where does that door lead to? Or, you know, we all had attics in our homes, but no one ever went up to their attics. So that was always very fascinating to me. Like, what, what is up there? Why don't you go up there? What goes on up there? Why can't I go up there? How do you get up there? Have you ever gone up there? <laughs> and uh, it's true. It's, it's, it's very true. The, um, the spaces that we inhabit, you take for granted that you know them intimately. But just the idea that there can be a space or there can be someone breaching that that barrier. This, these are all very frightening, frightening concepts. I don't know how long you're planning to spend out there or what, uh, what other things you're pursuing, but I, 
I was, I, I do, I do know of a, a situation, let's say it, it may, it may involve, you know, adding some time, probably at least a, another full day of travel. But I really think that this may be of interest to you. Uh, I know of a woman who has had uh, a situation with her next door neighbor in an apartment building. She, she's she's become very afraid and is is, is starting to um, unravel quite quite completely. So I, I would I would use caution in in speaking with her, but so, something is definitely going on there, and I I think that this could. I think that this fits right into, to what you're investigating. All right, I, I'll I'll go check it out. The apartment next door to mine is empty. That is, I think it is empty. It's technically empty. It's supposed to be empty. To start, I've been hyper aware of the space for a long time. I formed a belief that the wall is thinner there on my pillow side. And it's true that my neighbors have traditionally been careless. So it was because of this irritation, which grows to hostility, which grows to anger, that explains my absolute glee at the signs of exit and then finally the apparent exit itself. But something else has appeared in their place. I've heard things. Put simply, there's movement in there. Someone is moving next door. Someone is in there, moving through the space. It started with the cupboards. There's a particular door in the area of the kitchen that bounces shut like a rubber ball. I started hearing this bounce without pretense at times like four in the morning. I thought someone's settled in quietly without my noticing. Maybe they live simply, or travel light, or don't have many things. But then, nothing. I walk by the windows next door, day and night, finding reasons. The lights are off. The blinds are drawn. Or, the lights are off. The blinds are open. The light from their porch door glows through the kitchen. I can also tell it's a man. I just feel it. He started reacting to my movements, mirroring them. I can hear him shuffle and stop on the other side of the wall. Sometimes he leaves at odd hours, but only the back door snaps. Then he comes back, too soon to have worked at anything, to have performed any job, or visited any friend. I don't know where this stands. Well, yes I do. Even in emptiness, I can't be allowed a silence. I seem to be the only one hearing this, fighting this battle. Now we're here as we sooner or later are. We cannot square the outside with the inn. I can't square it, the outside with the inn. 
I know there's someone in there. Someone I can't see. You understand me, don't you? Then help me. I know better than to ask because no one can help anyone else. What am I to think? Do. It's the loneliest thing in the world, recognizing a ghost. Convince me it isn't. And I'll ask him to stay. Many years ago, many years ago, I was sort of on the trail of some information. I was in Russia. I was uh, traveling along Lake Baikal, sort of south of Irkutsk. And word got to me, I won't say how, that I was suddenly in some danger. And that what I had to do for a few days was travel on foot, completely off the grid, being as um, discreet as humanly possible. So I, I, I kept making my way um, towards the west. I began to get very afraid for my safety. And I, I came across a, a boat yard where a lot of boats were in dry dock, small sailboats. And what I did was I crawled uh, up onto one of them, went down below decks, and for three days I simply cowered there not leaving unless it was absolutely necessary. I had virtually no food, no water. But I felt that I should not even raise my head out of that sailboat until I felt safe again. And uh, I can't tell you how, how frustrating, boring, and terrifying that was, but uh, on the third night, I remember being somewhat at the end of my uh, sanity almost, and I heard from above feet uh, up on the deck of the boat. Someone had climbed up the ladder, up the supports, and was on top of the sailboat. And I was down below deck. I rose, I stood there in the dark, had no lights on, of course. And I remember I was holding something, but I don't know what, and I just waited. And, and I had become the someone, the stranger, the, the mystery in the dark. At that moment, I was the other. The, the footsteps stopped, and no one ever came down. Uh, and I woke up at, at, at dawn, and I, I left the sailboat, and I, I made my way toward uh, Irkutsk. The, the, the odd thing is, since that experience, I've been uh, maybe in taxis in a new city or, or going through some small town, and I'll always look at the houses around me, the houses in the strange spaces, the abandoned alleys. And I always think to myself, if the sun goes down right now and I had to go to ground, would I go into that porch over there? Where would I hide? Where would I try to evade being seen? Where would I put my head down? Yes. Uh... This conversation has brought up a memory for me. I, and forgive me, I'm feeling some tension about this memory because that it's not my story to tell. And uh, I also want to be protective of the person who, who told me. 
oh, it was probably, gosh, 20 years ago. I was living in a, in a town, in a college town, and I had um, friends a bit older, very, very kind to me, very wonderful, very inspirational, kind of a mentor, really. Uh, her husband at the time was the, was the fire chief. There was some. There was something that that she that she told me from what he told her. There had been a house uh, that burned. It was one of the older homes on one of the main streets uh, that cuts through cuts through town. Her husband told her that there was a fire at the house, and in the investigation afterward, there were some details that emerged. He could tell that there were people. St- staying in the house, squatting in the house. He could also tell that there were very aberrant uh, and terrible and frightening things that had been going on in the house. He wouldn't tell her any more than that. That was as specific as he would get. And just that restraint and that decision to stop the information right there that i found completely bone chilling actually this this whole episode uh, when you just told your story i just i i couldn't help but think of that i i struggled with myself whether or not to share it because like i say you can see it's it's hardly a story but it's a terrifying idea I think it really underlines that you can't know, you can't know what goes on at nights when you can't see, yes, just uh, uh, these spaces that we think we know, we think we're familiar with. It's, it's a lie. <laughs> we, it's, it's a lie. But it's terrifying to believe that because how are we to believe that and go through the world, go through our daily lives. It's, it's almost too much to bear. There's a, an even more subtle concept going on here. If you're walking along a country road and you look uh, over at a, a vacant lot and there's uh, what we refer to as a spook house, an abandoned house, someone obviously once lived there, and you just know that at some point in the intervening years, someone entered there when they should not have. Now, maybe they were just staying the night, maybe they were huddled against the cold, they just wanted to move on afterwards, or maybe they did something sinister. But either way, it's it's sort of a horrible trespass against the memory of the people who came first. Entire lives were led in this, this house, this ivy-covered house by the side of the road. And then here come strangers who knew nothing of those people knew nothing of that family. It's almost a, an act of violence against the past, just someone laying their head down in the dust, in the dark, and uh, leaving the next day. That word you used, trespass, yes, that seems like a, a very loaded word. 